Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. God is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. So good to see every one of you. Amen. If you will stand, we're going to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Make sure you don't forget me in your prayers. (laughs) I was telling Brother Scarlett, I said, um, you know, I've always been one to try to do my best to compartmentalize how I work my secular job, obviously, and serving the Lord, because those are two different things. And, you know, obviously you need the spirit of God to help you in all areas. But when you do the uh, manual stuff, it wears you out. You know, when you do the corporate stuff, the physical stuff, the nursing stuff, it can wear you out working on reports and, you know, running numbers. That can wear you out. But when you do stuff for God, if you do it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, then you're all good. But these days in our attempt to be sure we get our building there's a whole lot of legwork that's involved. <laughs> There's a whole lot of um, just doing stuff. And so today we met with the township for the first time um, regarding our use variance. And um, that went well. I told my wife today, I said, um, you know, we're trained to experience to, or to expect negativity. We're trained to say when things are going good, this is too good to be true. So when stuff is going good, we said, oh, what's going to go wrong? Well, I'm not saying that because I know God opened this door for us. And so he's just going to show us. We say he's good, but we have no clue how good. (laughs) You know, we say he's good and he is good, but we still have no clue how good he really is. Amen. And so while we can, in our own understanding, our own estimation, we can say God is good, we still have no clue how good he really is. And so God has just opened the door. So when we met with the township this morning, um, everybody knew everybody. Everybody shaking hands and kissing babies. Good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. (laughs) You know, everybody know everybody. And um, we walked away from the meeting. Um, These guys are the ones that you can call, um, they're like the pre-approved people. If if you don't have it together, they know right away, they tell you, nah, you're not ready. It's not going to work for you. So when they turn your back, you know you're far off. And so um, our meeting went quick. Quick meetings usually mean no issue. We even had one guy from the township that said, oh, he texts our lawyer and says, I won't be there. Don't worry about it. This is not that difficult. This is not heavy. You guys are good. I'm not showing up for the meeting. You'll be all right. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that God is doing for us. And so all I want for you to always say to God is, God, help me to do my part. If I'm not learning anything through this whole process, what I'm learning is, and this is what's called faith, even though we have a hard time sometimes trying to understand and describe faith. But one of the things that you want to understand about faith is You must do your part for God to do his part. 
It is so important that Christians understand that. A lot of times we're waiting for God to do something when we didn't do nothing that we were supposed to do. And then God doesn't do his part. We get frustrated. We get upset. We blame God. He's not blessing us. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. When the way how things work is you do your part and God does his. And so what I've seen throughout this process, through our spiritual journey, through how we have done our launch, through our faithfulness, through our prayers, everything that we're doing, we're doing our part. And so God doesn't have any choice but to do his part. That's just how he operates. So if you don't learn anything in the next few months, learn that about God, that all he wants for us to do is to do our part. He is what we say. He's sovereign. He's all powerful. So he will do his part. He is able to do his part. But most of the times when God doesn't do something, it's because we didn't do our part. We're sitting around waiting for him to do his part when he said, no, 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 no. I got my part. I just need you to do your part. And so that's what we are dealing with in this hour. So challenge yourself every day as you pray. Say, God, I want to do my part in the kingdom. God, I want to do my part in the kingdom. Whatever you called me to the kingdom to do, I want to do my part. And you keep telling him that. Tell him to show you what you're supposed to be doing, and then you do what you're supposed to be doing, and you will just see the blessings of the Lord and how God works tremendously in your life. So just trust God. He's going to do his part. He's faithful. We say he's faithful all the time. He is going to do his part. We just have to make sure we do our part. Matthew, that's all you have to do. Just do your part. He will do his part. Amen. Sister Sharon, you saw the email today? I'm on something else now. Chick-fil-A, $17 an hour. <laughs> I'm just saying. I wish I knew more young people. $17 an hour Chick-fil-A right now. So if you really want a job, it's an employee market now. Um, the workforce, employee market. So jobs are paying employees bonus um, you know, to come on board. They're paying you money to recommend someone for a position. It's an employee market. That's why Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, you hear me? I didn't say um, some call center. I said Chick-fil-A is paying $17 an hour. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. All right, let's go before the Lord and pray. You know, I don't get to talk to you all every day, so when I come, I, I got to get some conversation going. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so this is part of the conversation. <laughs> Amen. Keep the Guthrie family, the Samuels family in your prayer. Um, this this Saturday, they're going to bury um, an icon in God, a woman of God that's been around a lo- very long time, very well-known Christian lady. So keep them in your prayer. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, when you got to say goodbye for the last time, never easy, because that's when reality sink in, that you're never going to see this person again. You're never going to be able to talk to this person again. And so that reality, when it sinks in, it's, it's, it's something. So keep um, the Guthrie and Samuels family in your prayers. We do have a prayer request tonight. And um, Ethan just texted us and said to pray for Candace Campbell, um, that she's in a coma. And we need to pray that God will wake her up out of that coma and that God will touch her and that God will have his way in her life. We want her to be healed to be whole, and to be brought back to life. Amen. If God got to bring her back to life, I'm not sure if she's saved or not saved, but if God needs to bring her back to life to get her saved, that's what we want. Or if he has to bring her back to life 
because there's still purpose for her in the kingdom, then, you know, let him bring her back to life. So pray for Candace Campbell. Amen. Any other prayer requests? All good? Pray for Nancy. Okay. Pray for her mind, that God will touch her mind, that God will keep her, and that um, God will restore her mind and help her. Let's pray and pray for our Bible study tonight, obviously. Father, we thank you tonight for the gathering of the saints of God to come together one more time. Oh, God, we're so privileged. We feel so privileged, Lord God, to be the children of the Most High God, to be able, Lord God, to call you Abba Father, to be able, Lord God, to call you my God. Lord, we're thankful tonight to be gathered together under your banner, the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. We humble ourselves before you, Lord God, and we surrender all to you tonight that you may have preeminence, Lord, that you may have the full reign over every one of us, Lord. We want your will to be done. We want to experience the pouring out of your spirit, Lord God. We pray, Father, that the glory of the Lord will be revealed in this house tonight, Lord God. We pray, Almighty God, that nothing will hinder us from praising you tonight. Nothing will hinder us from our worship tonight. But, oh, God, you may get the glory in worship. You may get the glory in praise. You will get the glory, Almighty God, in our thanksgiving. Oh, Jesus, have your way tonight. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. I pray, Lord God, that you will give us an encounter with you tonight, that we will not leave this place the same way, but we will be stirred, Almighty God. We will be shaken, Almighty God, and the power of God will move on us, and you will speak to us a clear word, Almighty God. Have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. We pray for Candace Campbell, Almighty God, that you will touch her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, Lord God, and that you will heal her body and heal her mind and bring her back to life, Almighty God. In the name of Jesus, have your way, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, wake her up out of that coma, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, call her name, oh God, that she will wake up out of that coma, Lord God, and sit up tonight, Lord Jesus. And now it was you that called her name. If she's not saved, I pray that you will save her, Lord God. And oh God, if she's saved, I pray that you will use her to bring honor and glory to your name. I pray for Nancy tonight, Lord God. That you will speak to her heart and touch her mind. Oh, God, give her a sound mind. And let the Spirit of the Lord have preeminence over her, Lord. Have your way in this house tonight, Lord. Bind us in unity of your Spirit, Lord. Help us, oh God, that we will not leave this place tonight without a real encounter with you, Lord. We thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you. Reveal the mystery of your word tonight, Lord God. And we will grab a hold of it, Lord. We love you. We adore you. We thank you, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say in the name of Jesus? Now let's thank him tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that's within me. Bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I just want to encourage you to continue to pray. If you haven't been meeting with us early in the morning at 5 a.m. via Zoom, we want you to meet with us in the morning between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. And Brother Sharp holding it down from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you haven't met us, meet us. Amen. God is doing something through our prayers. Again, when you do your part, I can't say this enough. If I don't get anything out of everything we're doing right now, I got this. I just need to do my part. You just need to do your part. We just need to do our part. And God is going to do his part. And we will see life like we've never seen it. We will see the power of God like we've never seen it. When we do our part, God does his part as well. And so the prayer that we've been praying in the morning has been tremendous. Uh, I just appreciate hearing the voices and hearing everyone praying. Amen. You know, I got my little routine now. I, I, I pray a little bit now. Now when I, when I get downstairs, I do the daily reading before I pray. A little secret. And so I do the daily reading before I pray because now the word of God is saturated in my mind and in my heart. And so when I get ready to start praying, I've got the word in my heart, the word in my mind. And so that's what I do in the morning. So I come down, I start reading, and then I get into the prayer. And I just thank God for it. And I thank God for hearing all your voices and hearing all of you pray. God is doing something in our lives. So if you haven't seen um, some folks on yet, encourage them to get on and tell them they wouldn't believe how great it is and how wonderful it is to hear the saints of God pray in the morning. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and God is pleased with that. Amen. I want you, you don't have to get up, just stay where you are, and we're going to turn our Bibles, amen, to Matthew. We're doing our final lesson tonight, our final lesson on the call, our final lesson on the call. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 7. We read it over and over. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. I want you to pick up on something here. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter. Very important to pick up on. Verse 19, And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went through all this, went through all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people 
that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond. And so that's Jesus's encounter with these men that he was calling to be disciples, right? In Luke chapter 5, verse number 4, well, let me just jump down to, let me just jump down. Let me just jump down to Luke chapter 4, chapter 5, I'm sorry, and we will jump down to verse 8. When Simon Peter, Simon Peter, saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes, which they had taken. And so was also James and John and the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Simon, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It's important to realize that when Jesus was choosing disciples, he chose men that were doing something. He didn't choose men that were just idle. He didn't choose men. Now, I'm not saying he didn't choose other people that weren't doing anything because Jesus is for everybody who calls on his name, obviously. But if there's something about someone that is doing something, and when you're doing something, then easily, if you get to hear the word of God, God can help you to now let whatever you're doing be something for him as opposed to something that just benefits you. And so they were doing their own thing, being fishers of men, fishers of, they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, I am going to make you fishers of men. Mm -hmm. Let me pick up from here. You know, we've gone through this lesson and we're going to finish up this lesson tonight. So let me start from here. There is purpose behind every calling. Never get it twisted in thinking that you have a purpose because the purpose comes after the call. A lot of times people will say, well, I got a purpose. Yeah, but if you never answer the call, you'll never fulfill the purpose. So how about we just take it one step at a time? And answer the call first. For it is when we answer the call that we will be able to fulfill the purpose. The call is what you get to hear so you can follow Jesus. 
The call comes from Jesus for you to come and follow him. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. Luke chapter 6, verse number 12. Watch this. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Jesus was praying all night long. And when it was day, watch this, he called unto him his disciples. Yes. But it wasn't just the 12. A lot of times we think disciples and we want to think it's always the 12. You want me to show you why it wasn't the 12? He called his disciples. And of them... He chose He called his disciples because everybody gets the call to become a disciple. You want to call it Christian or you want to call it disciple? Everybody gets the call from God to become a disciple. Remember I told you some time back, some people don't want to be called disciple. Christian disciple, same deal. But some people don't want to be called a disciple because disciple have a connotation on it that there's work involved. <laughs> Somebody, you quiet on me tonight. I know it's a little hot tonight. <laughs> but 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 for you to recognize that you are a disciple, what happens is now you have to reckon with a disciple. Yeah, they they, they follow Jesus. Yeah, they, 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 they had to do work. And so most people don't go around saying I'm a disciple of Christ when in actuality, if you're a Christian, that's really what you're saying. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And a follower of Jesus Christ is a disciple of Jesus Christ. But we don't want to say we're disciples because that means work. We'll rather say Christian for whatever the reasons are, we might be thinking that Christian Gabby just means that, you know, God blesses me and take care of me. And it's easy street life. Easy street. Just live good. No problems. That's what that's what happens with a Christian. Christian just have the good life. God provide what you need. He supplies your need. He blesses you. He provides for you because you're a Christian. You're a child of God. And you don't have to really do anything because God loves you and takes care of you. But if you would say you're a disciple, then it means you got to do some work. So we stay away from that. Jesus did not call his select group of 12 until after a night in prayer. He didn't just say, okay, let me select 12 people so they can become apostles. Because that's what really happened. He called 12 out of his disciples to become apostles. Apostles were what they were chosen to be. Disciples are what they're called to be. Disciple is everybody. Apostle is an office that you fill. 
That's your, that's your chosen office. God choose or chose that office for you to fill. That's just as an apostle. God can call you. And the office you fill is evangelist. God can call you. And the office you fill is pastor. God can call you. And the office you fill is teacher. God can call you. And the office that you fill is 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 missionary. A lot of people are heeding the call and they're coming, but they're coming just so they can be taken care of. And they're never chosen. Because all they wanted to do was enjoy whatever comes with the call. Because what does God says? Take no thought on what you may eat or what you may drink. For the father know what you have need of. So we read that part like, whoo, this is the good life. God called me. And I'm blessed by the best. In prayer, the spirit can shape a person's mind and a person's understanding. After an all night prayer time, Jesus identified 12 to become apostles. Don't you think it's the same with us? That maybe if we spend some time in prayer, we might just finally hear the voice of God telling us what we need to become in Christ. Instead of just going along with the call and thinking that's the end all be all, shouldn't we be praying like Jesus prayed so we can hear the voice of God and for him to tell us exactly what we're now chosen to do? Instead of remaining a disciple, a follower, and just observing and doing nothing but just soaking up the blessings. We need to ask God, what is my purpose, Lord? Because you called me, but now I need to fulfill my purpose. Mm -hmm. Jesus is calling us still today. He's calling us all to become disciples And he will choose us all to do something in the kingdom of God. Yes, he will. God has a specific purpose in his kingdom for every one of us. (laughs) It's interesting to note that Jesus chose 12 and named them apostles. When we respond in obedience to the call, we will get to experience what it is like to be chosen. But if we never respond to the call, we will never be chosen. Give you an example, just plainly for us to see. There are people that's not going to church, that's not a part of the church, but they're telling you they're prophets. There are people that's not in church, they don't go to church, but they tell you, I'm evangelist. And if you understand God's word, you cannot be chosen to be something until you answer the call. And the call is, you got to be in the house of God. 
The call is you got to stay connected to the one that called you. The call is you got to mimic the one that called you. So until you can get that part right, you can't be chosen to be apostle or prophet or whatever you want to call it. Jesus is interesting the way he does things. Peter, going back to that, Peter. Notice when we first heard of him, he was Simon Peter. And I don't know, I have the feeling that before we heard of him, that the people he interacted with, they called him Simon most of the times. I don't think many people called him Peter back then, but most people called him Simon back then. His calling was connected to the name Peter. But his purpose, his calling, I'm sorry, was connected to the name Simon. But his purpose was connected to the name Peter. Because when you fulfill your purpose, God will give you a name change. (laughs) When you fulfill your purpose, when you answer the call to the point where you're walking in obedience with God, guess what? God will give you a name change and you will realize I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I used to be. See, it's one thing to answer the call. There's many of us that have answered the call that can say we're Christian. But man, when you finally embrace your purpose in God and you start to live in that purpose, then you can say, my name ain't what it used to be. Who I am is not who I am anymore. Who I used to be is not who I am anymore. I am a child of God who is now chosen and serving in that role that I've been chosen in. God has a specific purpose for each of us. Yours may be different from mine, but the bottom line is he has a specific purpose for all of us who answers the call. Mm -hmm. I wonder what does Jesus or what is he saying about all of us? What, what, What is the name in his head, in his heart that he has for you and for me? Because our name to Jesus is attached to our purpose. So when he sees us, he is seeing purpose. He's not seeing the call. He's seeing purpose. This is why Jesus sees us differently from everybody else. Because Jesus already have it recorded what your purpose is in him. There's a process to get to your purpose. But he already knows what your purpose will be in him. The question is, will you follow God, the call, and let him guide you into your purpose? That's why God sees you differently. You want to know why God see you different from everyone? Because he see you and see your purpose in him. Can't nobody else see you and see your purpose in God. Only God can see you and see his purpose in you. Because he designed and called you out of your mother's womb into that purpose. Before you was even formed in your mother's womb, God knew what purpose he had for you. He knew it. So when he sees you, he just doesn't see you even when you sit in a church service. He doesn't just see you as that. He is saying, girl, if you only knew what your purpose is in me, and that's what I got. That's the name I call you. I call you a name according to your purpose. Woo. This is why we got to take our mouth off of each other. 
We, we can't talk bad about each other. We can't talk down about each other because that's not, that's not what God sees when he sees you. All God is concerned with is his purpose for you. And so when we downplay people and we don't talk good about each other, we're so the opposite from God. Because God is looking at you and thinking purpose. God is looking at you and thinking, man, purpose. I've got some great plans for you. He's thinking purpose. And nobody starts out in their purpose. Everybody starts out in the call. Nobody starts out in a purpose. If you want to go even further back, all of us start out as stone cold sinner. Then we answer the call and start getting it together just a little bit. Because trust me, even as Christians, we're just still trying to get it together a little bit. But if we follow him long enough, then he will introduce us to the purpose. Oh, yeah. That's the way it works. So let's just look at each other and say, God, as we pray in the morning, I know I always pray this, God, let me see people the way you want me to see them. I pray that all the time. God, I want to see people the way you want me to see them. And certainly, I got to be honest with you, he has done that just a tad bit for me. I don't see you as, as, as what you are in your purpose because he hasn't shared it with me. When he shares it with me, I'll let you know. But, but the point is, I see everyone from a, sta- a standpoint of potential. There's not one of you that will ever walk in these doors that I will look at any other way than what God can do in your life, what God can do through you, because I will never forget what God has done in me. And so I'd be a crazy man to think if God can work in my life, that from the day I hit the doors of the church, that I became this and I had nothing to do with it other than just following. Wasn't because of talents, wasn't because of gifting, wasn't because of nothing. All I did was just follow, mimic him, follow him, go where he want me to go, do what he want me to I can't take any credit for it. So because I know that, I look at everybody like that. You might not be the pastor. You could be the pastor, but you're going to be something special in God. Every person that hits the door of the church, I said, you're going to be something special in God because God has a purpose. He just has to take you through the process of the call. And then after the call, then here comes the purpose. That's every one of us. You can't downplay anybody because God is not going to have purpose for you, but don't have purpose for the next man or the next woman. Are you kidding me? God is no respect of person. And for us to ever think that God can use me, but he can't use somebody else, we're in a little bit of trouble. We're in a little bit of trouble. Somebody could be disobedient to God for all their life they're living. They could be living for 60 years and been disobedient to God. And all of a sudden, one day, it all just hit them hard and boom They repent of their sins. They get baptized in Jesus' name. They get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and they start following him. So don't you think because they old and they ain't doing right, that it's going to always be that way. You don't give up on nobody until they're six feet feet under. That's the only time you can say, well, nothing I can do. But as long as they have breath, as long as they're in, in the land of the living, you keep on saying God has a purpose for them. God has a purpose for them. He will change your name when you step into that purpose. He certainly will. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse number 9. You want to see another thing he did? Then Saul, 
who is called Paul. When he was Saul, he persecuted the church. When he was Saul, he wanted to kill Christians. When he was Saul, he was just a menace to the church. But when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he had an encounter with Jesus, he answered the call when the man Ananias laid hands on him and scale fell from his eyes, and he received the Holy Ghost. Guess what? He obeyed the call. He followed Jesus, and then sooner or later, he was chosen, and he was now Paul. Because God sees you different. And your name has significance to how God sees you. (laughs) Amen. I know we make fun of it and we said, yeah, I know when I wasn't living for God, my name was Wayne. But guess what? When I started living for God and I obeyed the call, you just add Jesus the Christ onto that name. Because something going to change when you answer the call. Something is going to change when you surrender finally to God and become who he wants you to become. The name will always be something that represents who we are in Christ. When we take on his name, that's why it's important. People want to know why we got to be baptized in the name of Jesus, because you take on identity in somebody's name. There is no identity in titles. You have to take on the name to have the identity. Father, don't give you identity. How many fathers in here right now? Ton. Father, don't give you identity. Son, don't give you identity. And the devil is running around here trying to let you think he the Holy Spirit. (laughs) It's the name that gives you identity. The name of Jesus is what gives you identity. So we got to take on the name. Listen, we are called so we can be chosen. We are called so we can be chosen. And our will is to do, all of us are chosen to do the will of God. It's just that we'll do it in different ways. We'll all do it, but we'll all do it differently. And the way how we do it is the purpose. Right. The way how we do it is how God is working in our lives, how he wants us to serve him in that capacity. In John chapter four, verse thirty four, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Church, don't get your feelings hurt. But if you're following Jesus, you will speak like this. My meat is to do the will of him that called me. My meat is to do the will of him that called me. Verse 35, say not ye, there are four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. <laughs> and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together and herein is that saying true one sow it and another reap it let me stop there for a second purpose might look different but it's the same purpose purpose might look different 
So the ones that's sowing and the ones that's reaping is kind of, it's going to look a little different. It's going to look a little different. When you're telling somebody about Jesus that don't know Jesus, that, that dynamic is different. And when you're going to somebody to say, man, God loves you. God's got a plan for your life. But you got to answer the call and they just say, come on, take me to church. I want to give my life to God. You are reaping when some when you didn't have to do a lot of work and somebody say, I want to go to church with you. I want to get saved. All you did was just show them that you are a child of God. And they say, I want to go to church with you. I, I, I want to give my life to God. That's reaping. You're doing something without really doing anything. That looks different. Sowing, you're working with them. It's a little bit harder to sow. It's a little bit harder to sow. It's much easier to reap. But they both are taking you to the same purpose because it's for people to be saved. It's for people to come in relationship with Christ. It may look different, but we're all supposed to be doing one or the other. Sowing or reaping. How does it look? It's going to look different. But sowing or reaping. And yes, some people will do sowing and reaping. But what I'm saying to you is, the scripture said, one sow it and another reap it. Just trying to show us that we might, our purpose in God might look different. Let me give you a good example how that may look. Some people talk regular language to you now. Some people are good soul winners, but they don't know how to disciple them. They don't know how to keep them going. But they know, how to re- they know how to get somebody to get their life right and get saved. Some people know how to do that. And then you have some that, that once you say this person's saved, they know how to help them stay saved. They know how to disciple them. They know how to you know, take care of them. They know how to nurture them. And then you have those that can do both. But the point is, again, you got to know what your purpose is in Christ. And you only know that if you start following. You only know your purpose when you follow, when you mimic, when you obey, when you when, when you just trust him and just go as he directs you. Sometimes Christians excuse themselves from witnessing by saying that their family or friends aren't ready to believe. That's why we're not witnessing. Man, them people, they so messed up. God can't even save them. Don't you ever say that. Because you wasn't good. You want to tell yourself now that you was good. (laughs) One thing we know for sure, that without Jesus, we are so selfish that even if we weren't murdering and killing people and stealing from them, we were doing wrong. Because when you don't have Jesus, we already just messed up when it comes down to being selfish, self-centered, want to do our own thing, want to serve ourselves. We just can't even help ourselves with that. And when you're doing that, you're doing somebody wrong so you can have what you want. And so maybe you ain't doing this or maybe you're not stealing from them, but you're doing something to put somebody down that you will get what you want. So if that's the, if that's the least that you did, you did it. You wasn't good before Jesus. So if Jesus can save you, he can save anybody. And remember what I told you. Here's something that 
is very interesting. I just heard a preacher said that. Sometime I said, man, God, you have given, I don't have any God pedigree. See, I, you know, I go around these preachers that, that have, you know, pedigree, sixth generation, eighth generation Pentecost. I go around, I'm just like, I don't have no pedigree around here, but I just keep my mouth shut and listen. And when I hear them start saying stuff that God gave me revelation to, I said, man, God, you, you gave me that revelation, Lord. And so this is what I heard a preacher said the other day. I was listening to a, what was it? Brother Hodges sent me a video from Because of the Times, I think from 19, 1996. And this preacher was preaching. Great preacher. And he was preaching about how people, uh, they were, they had bitterness, unforgiveness. And he was preaching about how they got to get over their bitterness and unforgiveness and need to repent and make it right with people before they left out of the service. And he said this, and I smiled. I said, man, God, you gave me that revelation a long time ago. He said, y'all that are walking around with bitterness is worse off than the ones that's doing outward sin. Because when you outwardly sin, you know it because people say it to you. You, you get exposed when you outwardly sin like that. People know. And so there's no hiding behind anything when you sin outwardly. But when you walk around with pride and bitterness and all that stuff, people can't really see that. And you deceive and lie to yourself like that's not what's going on with you. And so you can walk around for many years with bitterness, unforgiveness, and pride in your life, and it will, dis- it will wreck you, and you will think you're still okay. You'll think you're doing all right, and you're not doing all right. When the person you talked about that, 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 that was in church Sunday morning and next Saturday was in the club party, like, mm-hmm, and she act like, and look at her in the club and drinking. Guess what? She can see her sins clearly. And she can say, I need to get it right. I can see my sins. And so she know that she got to get it together. It's always before her. She know I got to get this right. It's always before her or him. But when you got that pride and that unforgiveness in you, it's not before you. Because when you have those sins in your life, you tell yourself you're okay. And you go around making yourself look better than everybody else because your sin is not outward. And when your sin is not outward, it's easy to hide. But the people that sin outwardly, they can't hide. All the only choice they have is to repent and get it together at some point in time. So you stop getting intimidated by when you sin and mess up like, like your life is coming to an end because you're worrying about somebody saying something to you and, and, and worrying about what they're thinking about you. Get over that. Because I'm telling you, the people that sees that in you and want to continue to discuss you, they've got something in them that they're not seeing. And they're in, they're in bigger trouble than you. This is revelation God gave me. And I'm hearing this man preaching that because of the times in 1996 about this. I said, Lord, this is scary. It's important that we understand that we don't have any excuse to reach people. We can't say how messed up they are because, again, you weren't good. Just get over yourself. And, and, and because you weren't doing what some of us was doing, that don't mean you was good. You was not going to heaven the way you were. Just like we weren't going to heaven the way we was, you were not going to heaven the way you were either. And maybe you weren't just a, what the world, society would call you were better than me. But you weren't going to heaven either. 
every once in a while I get a little bold and I'll tell somebody that I meet. I said, listen, if you ain't planning on going to heaven, then just go live it up. You might as well go live it up and have fun here if you don't plan to go to heaven. It might as well go live it up if you don't plan to go to heaven. Now, whoa, whoa, don't quote me right now. If you don't plan to go to heaven, then go have the best time you can have. It don't make sense to go to hell with a dull life. As a matter of fact, Brother Teddy that was here the other day, he will tell you his testimony. Brother Teddy was a good guy. He didn't smoke. He didn't drink. He had good conversations with people. He loved the young people. He was a good dude. But he wouldn't go to heaven. And so one day Teddy came to church, and the Spirit of the Lord just laid on my heart. I said, Teddy, let me talk to you. He said, what's up, bro? I said, listen, you're a good dude, man. I see how you, you are with the young people. You're a nice guy. I see why Rosie like you. Blah, 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 blah. We kicking it. I said, I leaned over. I said, Teddy, did Jesus come today? You ain't going to heaven. You, you, you can only do that when the Holy Ghost directs you to do that, okay? Don't, just don't jump and do that. I said, Daddy, if Jesus come today, you're not going to heaven. He was stunned. He was just like stuck. Like, I said, I'm just telling you the truth, bro. And that worked him so hard. It worked him so hard. He came back to me. I was proud about it. Let me talk to you. I need you to baptize me. <laughs> he said, I need to get baptized because I ain't like what you told me. I said, I'm just telling you the truth. And as a matter of fact, I baptized my grandmother and Teddy on the same day, same back to back. Baptized her in Jesus' name, and I baptized Teddy in Jesus' name. <laughs> Teddy and I will always be like this. Always. Just, it's just, we're always going to be like this. Every time he sees me, he's like, man, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you because I, you told me that because I was a good dude. I said, I know, Teddy, you were real good, man. But you wasn't going to heaven, Teddy. Because all that good goodness you think you are, you think that's good enough. And God is saying, the only thing that you need to do is obey me. And that's what gets you into heaven. Not, not thinking you're good from what people tell you, but obeying me. So we can't pass people up and not witness to them and not tell them the truth about Jesus. Because we think that, man, their life is a mess. There's no way they're going to answer the call. They'll never be saved. No, we can't do that. Our excuses don't stand up very well when we think about the woman at Samaria at the well. How messed up was her life? And Jesus ministered to her. He didn't give up on her. And guess what? We didn't give her an official title by the name of evangelist, but we should have. We should have. She got a whole town saved. And the crazy thing about it is, as some of you may have heard before, the apostles, the apostles, they went to that town and they didn't get one person saved. And this woman that was shacking up and been married five times, she got a whole town saved. The same town that the apostles were in that they never got one person saved. She got the whole town saved. We should have called her evangelist lady at the well. So please, from now on, when you talk about the lady at the well, can you call her evangelist for me, please? Because she is an evangelist. 
I don't know about I don't know about what, what, what all the others are, but she showed her worth because she had a whole town saved. A whole town came to know Jesus because of this woman at the well. But if it was up to the apostles, she would have never got saved. Because remember, the apostles said she is Samaritan. We don't talk to them. So if it was up to the Samaritans, she would have never got saved. So we better never look at anyone and think they have no hope and they can't be saved. Unless they're under the ground, six feet under, they still have hope. If they're not six feet under, they have hope. Don't give up on anybody because Jesus never gave up on anybody. I'm getting ready to bring this to a close here. Jesus made it clear that a continual harvest awaits reaping. Yep. Almost, I was almost brought to tears when I think about this. That there are more people ready to be saved than there are people who are willing, willing to help them get saved. That, that brings tears to my eyes. More people that are ready to be saved than there are people that's ready to minister to them. And if you ask me, that's probably what's delaying the return of the Lord. He probably would have came back already if there were more people willing and ready and going to help people get saved. But so many of us are just focused on us. I'm talking about Christians now. So many of us are just focused on ourselves that the people that are crying out and want to be saved, they don't have the opportunity because the church is worrying about the church and the people, well, they're the church still. They're just worrying about what's going on in their own life. And these people are crying out in different ways. They're acting out in different ways, want to be reached, want to be saved. And we're just doing something else. Worrying about ourselves. That's why, church, you hear me telling you over and over, we can't go into this new building with our mindset like that. We have to go in this building as, as, as soul winners. We have to go into this building and saying we're going to do the will of God. We have to go into this building saying, hey, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower. I'm mimicking Christ, but I'm waiting for him to give me direction as to what my purpose is. We, we don't want to go in this building like that. Just worrying about ourselves and now we've got this great space and everything is good and, you know, all of our stuff is working the way we want to work it. Because then all we're going to do is sit around and get fat. And God is going to be disappointed. And as soon as we sit around and get fat, guess what? We st we'll start turning on each other. Yes, we will. So we all have to get into the mindset of obeying the call of God for our life following Jesus, mimicking him, doing what he wants us to do until he revealed the purpose, what he has chosen for us to be in him and that we will go ahead and do it. Because one thing I learned about your, your, when you're chosen in God, it drives you. If, if, if you ever come to discover your, your, your purpose, that you're chosen, it drives you. You, 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 you asked Pastor Cole over there how much she's driven. She can't help herself. She hasn't been leading the congregation as she's been leading for months. 
But she don't stop studying her Bible. She don't stop writing notes. She don't stop in her heart just doing what she do for God. Because when you come to discover who you are in Christ, it drives you. You can't get away from it. I'd rather die before I walk away from my call in God, my purpose in God. Just, just kill me, Lord, before I walk away. As a matter of fact, I asked Sister Cole, her husband prayed that prayer, and God took him. Sister Cole's husband prayed that prayer. He says, God, before I walk away from this, take my life. That's real prayer. That's how sincere people of God pray. That you want to be so right with God. You want to please God so much that you're saying, God, if I become an idiot, for some reason lost my mind and want to go do something else other than fulfilling my purpose in you, you better stop me right in my tracks, take my life. But don't let me go do that, Lord. Let me serve you to the end. Let the last breath that I take is the breath by praying and say, God, your will be done in my children's life. God, your will be done in my church. God, your will be done in my family. God, your will be done in this earth. God, your will be done. Let that be my last breath. I don't want anything else to be my last breath. I don't want it to be a, a last swig of drink before I tell, leave out of here. I don't want it to be a last puff before I leave out of here. I want it to be words of God that's flowing from my heart and my spirit because I want to walk in my purpose. I want to walk in my purpose. And you should want to walk in your purpose in Christ. I'm done. I'm going to share something with you. Remembering the man in the red bandana. For those of you that might have seen this hanging out with my Bible, I'm not in the game. No. Wells, Remy, Crowther, or Crowder was the firstborn of three children. His parents, Jefferson and Allison, raised him and his two sisters, Honor and Paige. That was his sister's name, Honor and Paige. They were raised in New York City suburbs of Nyack. Through his father, he was a grandson of Bosley Crowder. His grandfather was a film critic. Mm -hmm. As a child, Crowther saw his father getting dressed for church and wrapping a small comb in a blue or red bandana he kept in his right hip jacket. When Wells was six years old, his father gave him a red bandana that would become Crowther's trademark. One that Crowther would wear under all of his sports uniform in high school. At 16, Crowther joined his father as a volunteer firefighter. Becoming a junior member of the Empire Hook and Ladder Company, he later attended Boston College where he played lacrosse. In 1999, Crowther graduated with honors with a degree in economics. He subsequently moved to New York City, taking a job as an equities trader for Sadler, O'Neill, and partners. Settling 
into an office on the 104th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. He later entertained dreams of joining the New York Fire Department or the FBI or becoming a CIA agent. On September the 11th, New Yorkers demonstrated extraordinary courage and risked their lives to save others. One of those heroes was the man in the red bandana. Every time I read the story, it just shakes me. Wells Crowder. When hijacked flight 175 hit the World Trade Center South Tower, people on the 78th floor sky lobby huddled together, frightened and confused. There was no escape as far as they could tell. Then a man with a red bandana covering his nose and mouth suddenly appear from the wreckage and smoke. He spoke in a calm voice and guided them to a stairway, leading them to safety. The man in the red bandana made three trips to the sky lobby, saving as many people as he could until the burning building collapsed. A few months after 9-11, Stories from survivors surfaced about the mysterious man wearing the red bandana. When Alison Crowder read an article about the hero in the New York Times, she knew that man was her son, 24 years old, Wells Crowder. He had carried a red handkerchief since he was a boy. Wells Crowder worked as an equities trader and was also a volunteer firefighter. Wells Crowder's bravery and heroism on 9-11 will never be forgotten. As a survivor, Judy Wine, who was rescued by Crowder, notes, people can live a hundred years and not have the compassion that the compassion the wherewithal to do what Wells did. The bravery, the zeal, the compassion, and the determination Wells displayed to save others ought to be the same attitude Christians ought to have to save people that are going to hell. People are dying and cannot cease to help but to be saved. People are dying. We cannot cease to help them get saved. We have to keep reaching for them. This is not about our life here on earth, but this is about eternal life. I don't know how much of a Christian Wells Crowder was. I don't know what kind of church he attended. I don't know what he did on his spare time. But what I will tell you is, Wells Crowder sacrificed his life that people was able to come out of that World Trade Center and survive that attack. And when I first heard the story of Wells Crowder, it just wrecked me. It just ripped out my core, and I couldn't help but just to cry because I said to myself, if he's that compassionate about reaching people and he ain't no preacher that I read, then what about me that's a preacher? What about me that's a Christian? What about me that's supposed to...
them? Am I going out there trying to rescue people for eternal life? Am I going out there inconveniencing myself and putting myself at risk and in harm's way to reach the lost? Am I doing that? Or am I going to let a guy that don't know Jesus like I do, am I going to let wells outdo me? I know this is not a competition, but I'm just saying I got to take my cue from wells to say, if wells did that, what should we do as the church of the living God? If wells did that, what should we do as saints of God who have been called and chosen by God? What should we do? Wells is no longer with us because he gave his life that others may live. What are we doing with our life? As Christians, Jesus already told us, if you will give your life for my sake, then you will gain eternal life. I don't know what else should motivate us for us to realize God called us. And if we follow him, our purpose will be to mimic him, to reap, to sow, or to reap and sow. No need to go look at any book to realize what you're supposed to do. You're either reaping or sowing or you're doing both. But we're, we have a purpose in God if we will answer the call. That's how we're supposed to be living our lives. Church, don't deceive yourself. The greatest joy and happiness you will ever experience is making someone else happy. It's, it's helping someone else get saved. There's no greater joy that you'll experience in life. I don't care what you think. I know you might feel, oh, my kids coming in this world. That was a great, that's great and that's wonderful. But you got your kids taken, you got your kids back. You are their parent. You're going to make sure they're good. But what about somebody that had no hope? And because you came into their life, now they got hope. Because you came in their life, now they can have eternal life. Because you came in their life, there will be no greater joy. There will be no greater satisfaction in all of this world or outside of this world that we would have compassion on people and see that we can have, uh, put a hand in their life and say, I can help you to know who Jesus is. I can help you to lead you to a place where you will experience deliverance and restoration and salvation. There is nothing greater than that. I know we like to enjoy so many things in this life, but I'm telling you, if you ever lived it, if you ever experienced it, where you help somebody get saved that was going in a different direction, you will never have no, no greater satisfaction. And I think if we all get to experience one transformation of a life that we were involved with, I think we will never stop doing it. I think we'll never stop doing it. I believe if Wells was able to come back from the dead and be here and still have his right mind where he was and everything, I guarantee you he will spend the rest of his life being a fireman, saving, reaching out to people, because there's nothing more satisfying than helping somebody reach the kingdom. There's nothing greater than that. Let's stand. The call is what all of us will hear, what all of us will receive, the call. But until you follow, until you mimic, until you obey, you will never get to understand the purpose. And we need to understand the purpose.
A lot of people walk away from Jesus prematurely because they didn't want to follow. You've got scripture for that. He says, will you two leave me? They never had a chance to experience their purpose because they couldn't take the time out to follow him, to obey the call. All of us here tonight have responded to the call. The question is now, will you hang with Jesus long enough so you can step into your purpose? Will you follow Jesus long enough till he revealed to you your purpose? Or you're just going to keep on in and out, in and out, going your own way and never get to come to the place of stepping into your purpose. Not your call. Ushering, it's wonderful. It's not your purpose. Telling you right now. The only time you will know that you're in your purpose is when you have an impact on somebody's life being changed to come to know Jesus. That's when you know now you're functioning in your purpose. If, if what we're doing is ushering, if what we're doing is singing, if what we're doing is audiovisual, we need all of that. And that's great. You haven't hit the purpose yet. You haven't hit the purpose yet. You hit the purpose when you're involved with somebody coming to Jesus. That's when you hit the purpose. You're either sowing or you're reaping or you're doing both. You're either discipling, you're doing something. And not until you're doing those things did you hit the purpose. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. It is the will of God that all be saved and that none would perish. So until you're involved with the will of God, the heartbeat of God, the purpose of why he came, you're not walking in the purpose. You're still in the call. Nothing wrong with still being in the call. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, stay in the call. Be obedient to the call and keep asking God, when will you reveal the purpose? I want to walk in the purpose. I want to fulfill the purpose. I'm not just comfortable just following in the call, Lord. So whatever you got to do in me so I can now step into the purpose. God, will you do it in me? Maybe it's me, God. Maybe I'm hindering my purpose in you. But whatever you need to do in me, God, will you do it so I can step into that purpose and no longer just stick with the call? Seeing the call, it's comfortable. Yes, I know it is. Because that's why there was a time when he said to the disciples, not the apostles, the disciples, will you two go away from me? So in, in the call, it's easy to walk away because we experience the call and we want the call to be easy street. So the call is easy to get away from. That's why you got to hang in there until you step into purpose. Because when you step into purpose, can I make a little bit of joke? It's like entering to the mafia. You ain't leaving alive. <laughs> That's how I feel about my, my purpose in God. I am not leaving this alive. I'm leaving this on Jesus' terms, not on my terms. I'm leaving on his terms. But when you just stay in the call, you can leave the call on your terms. But when you accept the purpose, when you realize I'm walking in the purpose, you realize I'm living on his terms. It's all about his terms. And this is how I'm going to die. He decides how I'm going to die. No longer will I decide how I'm going to die. If you stay in the call, you still call the shot a little bit. But if you let him put you in the purpose, if you stay faithful to the call, he will put you in the purpose 
and life will never be the same. Jesus, will you help us tonight, Lord God, to take the word that's been spoken into our hearing and apply it to our life, Lord God. Jesus, will you equip us tonight, Lord God, to continue in the call. If we have not experienced the purpose as yet, Lord God, help us, Lord God, to continue in the call of God. That at some point, Lord Jesus, you will be ready, oh God, to reveal to us what is the purpose. I pray, Lord God, that every person in this room tonight will respond to the word of God in faith and not in their flesh. That they will respond to the word of God by the Spirit of God in obedience and faith that their life will never be the same, Almighty God. That change will come to us and that, God, we will have a hunger and a thirst to fulfill our purpose in you, Lord God. Father, we want your will to be done. We want to please you, Lord God. We want to please you, Almighty God. And I pray that every person in this church, oh God, will follow you until you reveal to them their purpose in you. That, Lord, their life will never be the same again, Almighty God. For, Lord, we want to walk into that new building, walking in our purpose, fulfilling our purpose, Lord God. We don't want to go in just with the call, but we want to go in in our purpose, Lord. Help us tonight, Lord God. Let change come to us, Lord Jesus. Let change come to us tonight, Lord God. Help us, Almighty God, that your will be done. That the kingdom of God will be revealed in our life, Lord God. I pray that you will lead us and guide us. We thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the gathering of the saints of God and for speaking to our hearts. Now, God, as we go from this place, let your hand be upon us. Let the power of the Holy Ghost deal with us in the way that only you can. That change will come to our life. We thank and praise you. We honor and worship you. We adore you, Almighty God. And these things we pray and give you thanks for in Jesus' name. Come on, let's thank the Lord tonight. Let's thank the Lord tonight. Hallelujah! Don't forget our building fund. If you have something put in the building fund, put something in the building fund. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great rest of your evening. Don't forget this Sunday is All Nation Sunday. Come dress in your garb. Look like where you're from. Look like who you are. Invite somebody to church that don't look like you. We're going to have a great time in Christ. God bless you.